You're listening to the latest preaching from Brixham Community Church. Well, I want to lay a challenge out to you. This is our uh, our first meeting together in 2020, and with a New Year's kind of emphasis, I know God has no reason to have to follow man-made calendars, but it's good for us psychologically sometimes just to recognize a new year, and I think God understands that. He understands that we work within calendars, and uh, he operates in that way for us. And so my challenge is from tomorrow to begin 21 days of prayer, 21 days of increased prayer activity. For you, that will be different for what that means for me. Actually, I've started already. I've been praying into this uh, for some time, and particularly the week that's just gone before us, I've spent more time in prayer than I would in a normal week, and I just feel God has called me to that. And if you've listened to me speak enough times over the last year, you may have heard me mention that I feel I've been wrestling um, with God, not wrestling in prayer, but God's been wrestling me to the ground saying, John, you need to pray. I've been wrestling with the idea, the notion of praying, because I find it a difficult yet very important thing to do. And so when I embark on 21 days of increased prayer activity, that will look different from how you, if you receive my challenge in the spirit I give it in, you will increase in a different way. I will be honest, I I am fully aware that there are some wonderful Bible-believing, church-going Christians who don't pray every day. And I think that's shockingly bad, but I also think that's also think that's statistically the reality of it. So if don't be condemned if your starting point is zero, even if it means starting with five minutes a day. If you're at zero, five minutes a day, but doing it every day is better than nothing. Uh, you can never do too much prayer. And it's very easy for a preacher to, to leave you feeling condemned because we can all feel like we don't do enough prayer. And we can all feel like when we do pray, it's ineffective and it just feels a bit, bit lame. And did I, pray what, did I pray as well as someone else might have prayed? And, and you hear preachers talking about when they were in prayer and all this thing. And you imagine they have this incredible prayer life that you could never really aspire to because it just feels an unattainable goal. So start with where you're at and if that's zero minutes per day some days I challenge you to to go for a minimum of five minutes a day and on those normal zero days you'll be blessed I know you will but for the for the rest of us let's decide while I'm talking just decide in your heart in the same way that Paul tells the Corinthians to decide in your heart how much you're going to give financially and, and once you've decided, follow through with it. In the same way, while I'm talking, I just pray that the Holy Spirit will just nudge you and say, right, I want you to just put aside this amount of time every day for 21 days. Today is Sunday, the 12th of January. And in 21 days time-ish, it'll be February the 2nd. I'm preaching on that day as well. And in between those days, we've got Um, Paul and Carol, maybe just Carol, see what happens, and then followed by uh, my dad. And um, don't know what they're going to say. Well, I know a bit of what Carol's going to say. But what I'm saying is I'm kicking off this 21 days of prayer and I'm going to come back and talk about 
the, what's happened over the 21 days. In that meeting, in 21 days' time, I'm going to be allowing you to get up here and give some testimonies as to what's been happening while you've been praying. Because I think we should pray expectantly. Let me know ahead of time. And I expect to start to see things happen. And we, we can follow this through in our, in our home groups, in our Wednesday night meetings. We can just have an awareness that we're doing this together. We've been, we've been preaching about unity quite a bit. Mark's had a couple of sermons about, it was one long sermon that went into two Sundays, about unity. And I believe that, that for some time God's been teaching me that we've got to strive for togetherness in this body, in this particular congregation called Brixham Community Church. And one thing we can do is be unified in prayer. And we're praying together. 21 days of prayer. So we'll be talking about it in 21 days' time. We can follow it up in our prayer meetings before the Sunday mornings. We have a prayer meeting in, in one of the classrooms there uh, a quarter to ten, you can come along to those if you don't normally come. You can make the effort to get to a home group this week and we'll follow the idea through there. And we will be talking about it on Wednesday nights, as I have been doing for some time, talking about the prayers of the righteous. So to help us do that, I wanted to just talk through four points, P, R, A and Y. Four points, pray. We're going to pray for 21 days. And who knows, you might even carry on afterwards. But I just think if we have this intensified time, our church needs prayer. You know, some of the things we preach about, you, you see all hell breaks loose in certain areas that some of, some of us, most of us won't know about. And, and some of the things, and it kind of makes you realize you're preaching along the right lines. And, and you, you just don't all know some of the things that are going on that the enemy has tried to do to upset the work of the Lord in this, in this congregation. This church needs prayer. This town needs prayer. We've got some wonderful churches. We have ourselves, and you know the other churches in the town. We know that the Baptists are seeking God for a new minister. Let's pray for the churches in Brixham. And um, we're getting on well with the other ministers in town. And we'll be meeting together soon again as, as just leadership of churches. Pray for the churches in Bricks and pray for the kingdom of God. And I know there has been a lot of prayer gone up in the past and that has not gone to waste. Sometimes you feel like when you pray, it's kind of a bit of a waste of time. It just feels like it. P-R-A-Y. Praise, repent, ask, yield. Them are four points today. Not mine, I, I nicked him off another preacher I heard recently when I was Googling it. Ideas about structuring prayer. And we know that the Lord's Prayer is a great structure and we've talked about that in the past. But today I just connected with this idea and over the last seven days, um, seven or eight days, I've been following this structure so that when I preach it, I'm not a hypocrite. And it's been very helpful to me. Praise, repent, ask, Yield, P-R-A-Y. So I'm going to talk about each of those quickly so you don't get too cold. And before you freeze, we'll be yielding to God on the why of pray. 
The Bible says in Psalm 100, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. That means everybody. That means there is no one excluded from this instruction to shout to the Lord. I wonder if you can find a place where it's safe to shout every day, whether it's in your car and you just think, just one hallelujah. I'm just going to do it. I don't, don't listen to your feelings Just listen to the Word of God and do what it says. And if you speak in tongues, you might shout in tongues. I do that a lot because even though I can be quite verbose at times at the front, I do sometimes wonder what to say. Um, But shout to the Lord. It's an instruction. And it says, all the earth. There is no one excluded from that instruction. Unless you haven't got a voice, you should shout to the Lord. All the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. There's joy in His presence. It's not all a dour experience. Praise him. Come before him with joyful songs. Why don't you sing to the Lord? When you start your prayer time, start with praise. I've said this many times in the pre-service prayer meeting. Let's start our prayers with prayers of praise. We start just thanking him, him for who he is, for what he's done. We start glorifying his name. We might not feel great, but we tell God he is great. We might not feel praiseful, that's not a word, but it is now. We might not feel praiseful, but we get our praise on and we praise him. And, you know, we've got so many resources today that we might not have had in the past where we can just listen to some great worship music, stick it on and sing along, find a safe place, even if it's just one song. Then you've already got to nearly five minutes that day. Put it on in the car, put it on in the kitchen, switch over from the news to find some kind of channel that will help you praise God or put on a, a CD or whatever it is you can do. But every day, my challenge is that part of your routine becomes this idea of beginning a prayer time and beginning it with praise. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. And in some versions it says, and we didn't make ourselves, which of course is a logical impossibility because you'd have to exist before you existed in order to make yourself. But the point is that he's the creator, not us. He's the one who makes all things. He oversees all things. He sustains all things by his powerful word. And he is the Lord, not us. There is a God. It is not you. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We're his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Do you hear the joy in those verses? There's thanksgiving and there is praise. The message says, enter his presence with the password, thank you. So sometimes I just find it all a little bit out there to, and I try and picture, my, picture God on his throne. And I try and picture the immensity of, of, of heaven and, and God and, and angels worshipping round the throne and try and glorify his name. I try and have this experience where I, I understand what it must have been like for Isaiah when he saw the Lord seated and his train, the train of his robe filled the temple. I just find it a bit kind of mind-bending. And so let's just start. So if, if you, if you can get into that mode that's great and just glorify him and realize how great he is but just start with some simple stuff you know when I wake up I've been having to wake up extra early recently and uh, not by choice I've been had to wake up extra early recently and 
I don't want to get up when it's still dark. And I don't want to get up when there's still hours of darkness in the plural to come. And when the alarm goes off, and I, 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 I've made this discipline of not having any uh, device. We don't have any devices in our room at night, so I don't look at screens and get distracted and stay up too late. So I've got this old alarm clock with two bells on top that makes this horrible racket. But when it goes off, it's so dark, I can't find it. And Andrea's doesn't have to be up and I'm just going around like this trying to find and I grab it over the top I can't find the switch at the back to stop it so I'm just holding those top bells at the top and finding the thing in the middle the hammer and just holding it still and I'm and it's falling on the floor and it's buzzing across the floor and it's dark and I don't feel very happy Andrea feels even less happy and the kids one of whom I have to wake up is fast asleep, completely oblivious, even though the whole house is shaking with this wretched alarm clock. I don't feel like praising God. Can I, can, can, you know, can I just be honest with you? I feel like switching the alarm off and curling up under the covers. The heating's not on yet. It's cold outside. And I've decided that before my feet touch the floor, before I roll out of bed, and if before, or just as my feet touch the floor, they won't do that until I've said something to Jesus. Because a million thoughts could come through my mind at that moment, and most of them aren't positive. You're laughing, and I'm feeling quite serious about this. This very morning, I had the same experience. I felt pretty low when I woke up, just being honest. And I had a good night's sleep. It's not that I'm tired and grumpy. It's just that I'm human, and I'm really sorry you've got a human church leader. Before my feet touch the floor, and now the feet touching the floor has become a mental trigger because I've trained my mind to think, your feet have touched the floor, you need to praise God. But that's taken time. When my feet touch the floor, I thank God for something. And you know, most days, quite recently, it's just been, thank you for my health. Thank you that I've got feet that can touch the floor independently. Thank you that, you know, and I'm walking the dog and I'm walking outside and I'm doing whatever I'm doing. And I'm just saying thank you for my health. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my friends. Thank you, you know, just, just stuff. Thank you that I've got eyes to see. You can go through your whole body and thank God for anything that works. So praise doesn't have to be this incredible moment of, of presence, of, of the presence of God. This might lead you there. And you're walking outside and the moon is massive first thing in the morning sometimes at this time of year. And you're thanking God that he made that moon and he made the stars. And, and then you start to think you sustain all these things by your powerful word. You're an incredible God. And I've just started to enter into prayer. And then I'm ready to, to repent. <laughs> I know. It's, it's just the way the acronym works. But actually... P-R-A-Y, and, and so I'm going to talk about repenting. But please, will you please have a go at entering into prayer with a bit of praise? And if you have been given the gift of tongues, or it's no, you all have, if you have received the gift of tongues, then use that if that helps, because it does build you up, it edifies you, it builds you up spiritually. And then I, I've been doing this, and this is new for me because I'm not a very repentant soul. Because I think generally, you know, I do make mistakes or say sorry to God and move on. But I've, as a discipline for a week, I've now been saying, Lord, just reveal to me anything that you want me to say sorry for. 
And um, if we could have the... Oh, yeah, we go. In Psalm 19, it says, Who can discern his own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Now, that could be hidden from people around me, secret sins. It could even be hidden from me, from myself, because it says... The, the line before, who can discern his own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Sometimes I've got faults I don't even know about. You probably already know them, but there you go. I don't know about all of my faults. I'm not that self-aware. And then keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me, because that's what can happen. Then will I be blameless, innocent of great transgression. The next scripture also from the Psalms says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts, my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Search me and know my heart. Test me. That's a challenging thing. And I don't actually like praying that. I find that a little bit uncomfortable. And I find myself saying it, but not really wanting him to speak. I don't really want to face up to that first thing in the morning. But I've praised him and I've said how great he is and I'm starting to remember who I am in, in the context of who he is. My praise has, has brought me a little bit of joy sometimes, not always, I'll be real, um, but very often I feel a lot better when I've praised him for a little while and I've started to see a sense of perspective and then I just think, well, God, if there's anything in me that you want to put right... I need to surrender. And that's going to tie in well with the, the last point where we yield to him in prayer. And the weird thing is, um, this week I'd criticised somebody, and um, a, pre a famous preacher. And I said, that, you know, I might have said they weren't my style. I didn't really criticise the lifestyle of a preacher. I didn't criticise their theology. I just said I didn't like their style. That very day, on a podcast of a different preacher who I do enjoy listening to, he's interviewing the guy I criticised. And I'm listening to the, the preacher I've criticised. And what he's saying is so good, I'm thinking, I, I have to repent of this. And the people who heard me need to hear that I'm sorry for what I said about that preacher. The Lord just led me to a place of saying, just don't do that. Don't judge. And, and just to really hurt, heap burning coals on my head, the, the podcast really spoke to us both. It was just like totally on what we needed to hear. So that's just a daily walk with Jesus. It's just daily saying, Lord, is there something you want me to repent of? And if so, what do you want me to do about it? Because repentance isn't just words. It follows, it's followed by, by action. It literally means to change direction. There's, there's, there's private repentance where you and God have got something that's gone wrong and you say sorry to God and nobody else needs to know about that. Don't tell me. I don't want to know. I'll start judging you. Private repentance. There's this personal repentance where, where you've offended another person like I do with Andrew every day and, and you just put it right with that person. And then there's sometimes there's public repentance where, where everybody knows what you've been doing and you need to just publicly say something. Maybe on Facebook you've said something you shouldn't have said and you have to come back and re, re, respond to your own comment and, and say sorry. So there's different ways, but the Lord just needs to have that opportunity because the praise that came before will mean nothing to him if your heart isn't one of contrite 
spirit of a contrite spirit. So we're going to spend some time in repentance over these next 21 days and we're going to be honest with God and we're going to lay our lives on the altar and we're going to say, God, whatever you want me to say sorry for and whatever you want me to put right in this world here and now, Lord, lead me in your way everlasting. Lead me in your way everlasting. Challenging message and it's been challenging for me. The third point is to ask ask and if we could see the next oh you have done you're, you're so Dave's on the ball now isn't he by the way when the words were were the wrong song that wasn't Dave's fault don't judge him all right it was my fault for putting him in the in the machine in the wrong order all right anyway dear friends if our hearts do not do not condemn us we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we obey his commands and do what pleases him Anything we ask. And the next slide tells us that ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Ask, seek, knock. Asking to me is just speaking it out to God, saying, God, can you please do this for us? Can you please help this person? Can you please heal this person? Seeking is actually expecting the answer. It's going out in your day prayerfully, looking for the answer to come true. You ask, now you're seeking. And then knocking is actually when you've got to do something about it yourself as well. But prayerfully, you've asked him, you've been looking for the, looking for the response from God, and then you might have to take action yourself. It's not always just God doing stuff on his own. So we ask, we seek, we knock, and you will receive. If then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? But I'm not getting what I'm asking for, you say. In that verse 1 John 3 that I read and moved on, it said, Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us. See what's important to repent then, isn't it? If our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him everything we ask, anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. So our hearts don't condemn us. We're keeping his commands. We're pleasing to God. If I had twins, just, yeah, that sentence could go so many ways. Thank the Lord for our kids and that there are no more. If I, love them to bits, if I had twins, identical twins, on the outside they look absolutely identical, but one of them behaved in a way that uh, was pleasing to me and did anything I asked, and the other one was a bit of a tearaway and wasn't like that, and, and actually was disobedient and disrespectful, we've got two kind of equal measures here, but they both ask for something. Which one am I more likely to want to respond to and it's not just because well, it's by the way it's the one that's nice to me and does everything I ask and obeys in case you weren't sure and it's not just because they've, they've kind of creeped around me it's, it's because I know their heart already is one that wants to please me so when they ask me for, for a five pound note I'll trust them with it 
because I know that they're the sort of person that will behave in a way with that £5 note that is pleasing to me. I already know that they're pleasing. It's the same with God. When we're communing with him, when we're praising him, when we're repenting, it's more likely that he'll give us what we ask for because we're in good relationship with him and he knows we're on a track which is one he can trust us with. In John 14 to 16... It reports how in in Jesus' last hours, he was pouring into his disciples. It was like a big big download type moment where Jesus is giving his disciples instructions and and things to, to remember. And three times, well, more than three times, he talks about prayer. But one in each of those chapters, John 14 to 16, it would be good just to have a quick look at to help us understand. Maybe, I don't know if the word conditions for answered prayer, but maybe some of the ideas to do with answered prayer that might, might help us solve this mystery of why sometimes our prayers aren't answered. In John, John 14, 13, and I will do whatever you ask in my name. Asking in his name means asking in line with his character, asking in line with his personality, asking, asking him in line with, with what, what is already his will. What's the next scripture, please? Kind of lost my place in my notes. If you remain in me and my words remain in you. So we're not just asking in his name, or we are just asking in his name, but that, that helps us on this scripture to understand what that might mean. It's if your words remain in him, if, if his words remain in you, if you are remaining in him, we were praying in the pre-service prayer meeting about this whole idea of, of, of being grafted into the vine, which is what the context is of this, of this verse. We, 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 we're so grafted into the vine of Jesus, his words remain in us. But what, what I wanted to say was when we're praying and when we're asking things, what we ask for should be in line with his words. It should be in line with, it shouldn't contradict anything that's in the Bible. What's the next verse, please? Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Jesus says that to his disciples. They've been walking with him for years now, and they have asked him for some things. They've said things like, well, let me sit one at your right hand and one at your left when, when you come in glory. They've asked all sorts of things, I'm sure. And Jesus says, until now, and this is at the end of his life with them, until now, you've not asked for anything in my name. So it's obviously something that we need to learn to do. They didn't do it automatically. But he's telling them to do so. And you will receive And your joy will be complete. And I just feel like when we're asking things, there should be a joy that is expected in the answer. Not a happiness that just comes from happenings, but a a joy that is sustained. So when we ask, we're going to ask in his name, which is in line with his character and who he is. We're going to ask because our hearts do not condemn us. And we're going to ask in line with his word. And we're going to ask with joy. We're going to ask expecting joy. So we're going to enter his courts with praise. We're going to start with pray, uh, praise. Then we're going to uh, repent. And then we're going to ask. And the final letter is Y, which I've said stands for Yield. We're going to yield to God. Now, in America, they they're more used to this word yield, and um, that's because on their on their uh, roads where we have the words give way, they have the word yield, and you give way to other traffic. And I just think, as we just finish our time with with God, what this looks like for me in prayer is is I'm saying to God, Lord, is there anything you want 
me to do today? Is there anything you want me to do differently today? It's a bit like the repenting bit, but it's just asking him to nudge us in a direction. It's, it's allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us. And the verse I've put up is, might surprise you. It won't surprise you because it's already on the screen. Um, it might surprise you that I've selected this verse. It says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. The reason I've put that up there is because what I found out this week was the word delight in, in the Hebrew actually means um, to be soft, pliable or moldable. Uh, and you know how in, in the dictionary sometimes a word has more than one connotation and the word delight is, uh, is about number three on the list. So the top meaning is it actually has the connotation of being effeminate, which means a bit feminine, which isn't very good for blokes. So you're trying to get men into church and you're telling them to be eff effeminate towards God. right? But that's the connotation of the word. And I guess it's a bit like for me, I, the, the way I was thinking of it was the church is the bride of Christ. And it's almost like our hearts are softened towards him. And guys, you know how you want girls just to swoon around you and just be soft-hearted so much. And you, you, you delight them so much that they would just do anything for you. Yeah, I know, it's a fantasy. But God has placed the eternity in the hearts of all of us. And, and what we're really experiencing is an understanding of, of what it should be like to be Jesus and how the bride of Christ responds. Soft-hearted, delighting in him so that you would just do anything for him. It means um, pliable and moldable, just soft-hearted, like um, clay in the hands of a potter. And that is a delight to us to be that way. So for me, that part of prayer is just how, I would, how I've been ending my prayer. Lord, is there any, do you want to change my direction at all? Do you want to change any of my plans at all? And being willing to let him do so, it's yielding, it's being soft-hearted. And I just feel like that is a challenge for more than one person in this room. And as I've been preparing, sometimes I just feel stronger about something for this preach than other things. And this is the one. Will you yield to God Will you give him 100% of you? So much so that you would do anything for him. Are you there? Over the next 21 days, I challenge you just to yield to God. And he might just have to chip away at some stuff that's hard over the next 21 days and maybe beyond. But why don't you just give it a go? Why don't you just give it 21 days of of attempting to draw near to God in this way, and he will draw near to you. So let's pray. I'm going to pray through those four points. Heavenly Father, we acknowledge your greatness. We acknowledge your awesomeness. We do thank you for one another. We thank you for our health. We thank you for our families. We thank you for the people you've put around us. We thank you for the good things that have happened in our lives that we think others might see as coincidence, but we recognize it's you at work. We thank you, God. We praise your name because you are very great. You are seated above the circle of the earth. You are awesome in power. You have risen. You have 
conquered. You've beaten the power of death. You've beaten sin. You've beaten hell. You've beaten the devil. And we're on the winning side. We thank you that we're living in victory. We're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. We thank you for the armour of God that you have provided for us. It's your armour. And we thank you for the opportunity to put that on every day. You are a good God. And we come into your presence with singing. And we thank you. You are amazing. And Lord, we're sorry for the times of prayerlessness. We're sorry for the barrenness of our prayer times over the years. And we choose this day to repent. And we will spend time with you. We will draw near to you. We will increase and intensify 21 days of prayer. And we ask that you would bless this church. We ask that through this, um, through this time of prayer in unity together, you would respond with blessing this church in any way you want to bless this church. Not even going to specify this time. Just send some joy and some blessing to Brixham Community Church and the churches around us that we would work together and see your kingdom come in Jesus' name. And we do say we yield to you, we place our lives on the altar and we say, God, take all of me. I want to worship the Lord with all of my heart, give him my all, not just a part. And we give you our all this morning in Jesus' name. And just while we're in this quietness, I just give you that opportunity to decide in your heart when and where you're going to pray every day for 21 days and make a commitment, even, I dare say, covenant before God in your heart now that you will spend these times with God. I absolutely cast iron um, guarantee that you will not regret it. Finally, in this moment, this is just for some people. Consider fasting. You might just want to give up one lunchtime a week, you might want to give up one meal a day for 21 days. You might want to give up social media. The purpose of fasting will be so you can focus better on God. What can you cut out that feeds your soul or your body? What can you cut out that feeds your soul, your mind or your body and replace with prayer? I know there's some of us, and we've not talked about this publicly, but there's a few people already talking to me that feel the Lord is calling them to fast. And that's a new thing for some of us. Don't do it out of duty. Don't do it to try and get something out of God. But if you feel the Lord calling you that way, now's the time just to make a commitment. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you that you are so great. And uh, we thank you that you are on the throne I'm so glad I'm not. And uh, we just give you the rest of this year and we pray for great things. And just bless this time as we have coffee together. May our conversation be sweet. May we encourage one another with good words in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit brixham.church.